Well, I do want to say that I missed, uh, I missed being with you last week. I had a chance to go back uh, to see with my parents, uh, go hang with my family, my brother and his family in Lubbock, Texas, which is that great metropolis of the West Texas desert. And so uh, I was there for less than 12 minutes and I just remembered why I thank God so much that we moved here. Um, because while it's incredible people and I love my family and I love the people of Lubbock and I grew up in that place and went to school there and the whole nine yards, man, it's ugly. And so we got, but I got through it and, uh, and survived and got back here. And so it was good to hang out with family. My brother is truly one of my best friends. And so it was, it's always refreshing to get to hang to him. He is a home builder. He started, you know, a, a business doing gutters for a long time and he's gone through all kinds of transitions and he's ended up building homes. And so this past year he got to build his own home, which I'm sure is a, a cool experience for him. My mom is an interior decorator, so she got to be a part of the project and they got to do this thing together. It was pretty awesome. And so it was fun to get to see the house and all the things that they had done and all the uh, unique spaces. But there was one feature in the house that stood out above all the others, and it was the pantry. The pantry was amazing. And you ask why, because of all the great food? No, because of some space that was in there. It was nice and spacious. Yeah, it was great, but that wasn't it. What, what made the pantry amazing? That's right, you guessed it. The industrial-sized espresso machine. That was with it. So this is my brother with his espresso machine, right? Uh, so let me just give you some background here. <laughs> my brother worked as a barista in college, right? And so what that did is that gave him uh, that stepping stone into that sweet emotional place of being a coffee snob. And so uh, he has, he's known about coffee for a long time, got to, to learn how to use it. And so we got to spend a good amount of time just hanging out around the machine together, uh, making great coffees and talking about old times. It was fun. We enjoyed that. And of course, your question is, um, what the heck does this have to do with me or the church or Jesus? Well, one, Jesus made coffee, so back off. But, um, but what, I, what I actually love about that is that uh, it's not, it, it, the reason I'm showing my brother is not because of any other reason than Jesus made my brother Craig, and he's an evangelist. He's an evangelist. And you might be asking the question, I thought you said he's a home builder. He's absolutely a home builder. It's his full-time job. He works uh, he works and he has this business, and he has employees, and he's got a wife and four kids, and they're a part of a church, but he's an evangelist. And you might be thinking, well, he doesn't really look like an evangelist. He just looks like a normal dude with his hat on backwards who has a weird attachment to coffee. Um, but when I say evangelist, it's likely something weird pops up in your head. When I say the term evangelist, we tend to think of things that are different than the guy that I just showed you on the screen. In fact, we think of people like this. This is that we think of that as an evangelist, right? That's the great Billy Graham who would stand in front of thousands of people and had an unbelievable and incredible ministry. So we tend to think that that often evangelists are the guys that stand in the tents and preach to people um, at big revival meetings. That's what we think of when we think of this word evangelist, or we think of something like this, street preachers. Uh, with either megaphones or uh, traveling sound systems, and they'll stand out on busy streets. And we think of those that are evangelizing that way. In fact, my, my son and I got to witness one of those as we were walking to uh, the Titans game. There was a guy out there that was uh, uh, 
preaching uh, a message of some kind uh, on the street. I'm not, I don't, I don't know, I, we, we were walking fast, but I didn't get the whole message. Um, but it's possible when you think of those things, when you think of the word evangelist, you get these pictures, or you get a picture of something like this, where someone comes to your home, and, then, and, they, and they're ready to talk to you about Jesus that way, that way. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna just take a moment to begin to look at this portion of scripture where the Jesus and the Holy Spirit is calling for the church to have evangelists as a part of the leadership over the kingdom of God. They're one of these five roles. We've been looking at these five roles. If you haven't had a chance to, you can go back. We got to unpack what apostolic leaders look like in the church. And what we're gonna do this morning is I just wanna rewire, if I can, this picture of evangelist that doesn't have to look like Billy Graham or like a street preacher or a door-to-door salesman, but an opportunity to see what is it that God has for this? And is it possible that God has wired you this way to bring life to Jesus's church. And I'd say to this church here, because that's what I want to do is I want to help redefine this role just a little bit, what it means for this church, what it means for our city, if this is a way that God has wired you. So let's look at Ephesians chapter four together. Ephesians four, verse seven, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay, so grace is given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So skip to 11. So here's what he gave, verse 11. He gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, what were they meant to do? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. We get to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's what these roles are meant to do, so that we may no longer be carried, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. So these roles are helping to build us up and to safeguard us from that which the enemy would try to steal from us. And so God's given us these leadership mantles. And so the question is, what are we supposed to think about when we hear this term evangelist? Who and what is supposed to come to mind? Well, there's one person that stands above them all, the greatest evangelist of all time. His name was Jesus. It's the perfect Sunday school answer of all time, Jesus He was the perfect one. And I mentioned that in the first message in this series that we did because Jesus is actually the perfect embodiment of all five of these unique leadership roles within the church. And so what I wanna do is I wanna look at Jesus, the perfect, pure, holy, awesome, fantastic evangelist. I want you to look with me at Luke chapter four. You don't have to turn there. We'll put it up on the screen, but if you want, it's Luke chapter four. Jesus is ministering in the city of Capernaum, and he's going about, and he's 
doing incredible works in people's lives and people are being freed and set free from demonic oppression and people are being healed and changed and transformed and people are for the first time in their lives being validated and and feeling seen by someone who actually cared about them and it's creating this massive following and they're desperate for him to continue to do his ministry. They don't want him to leave. And so we pick up in Luke chapter four, verse 42, and it says, when it was day, Jesus departed and he went into a desolate place. Now this in Luke one, it tells us Jesus is going to pray and just be with the father. So he goes to this quiet place to get refreshed with his father. And then the people sought him and they came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. They would have kept him from going. But he said to them, hear this, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Now, what I love here uh, is that we get to see, of course, Jesus is the great shepherd, and we're going to get to talk about Jesus' role as the shepherd here as a part of this series that we're doing together. But here we get to see the quintessential evangelist, because here he's saying, here's my passion. I have to tell people there's good news I have a heart and a passion for people to know they don't have to keep living the broken way they're living. They don't have to suffer any longer feeling unseen and uncared for to live lives that are fully broken. But I want them to know this good news that this kingdom is for everyone. It's not for just for religious elites. It's not just for the rich. It's for everyone. And I want to let people know about this. And so he, it's not that he didn't care for the people in the city. In fact, he had gone there to Capernaum to minister, but he wanted to continue. And that was his call as his unique role in walking out an evangelist. See, I want to, in very simple terms, say it this way. An evangelist or the evangelist is the leader who has passion and compassion to help people who are broken and hurting and wounded and those who are far from God know the truth of the kingdom. That's what an evangelist is. It's that simple. It's not about standing in platforms or any of those kinds of thoughts that we tend to have when we hear that word. It's those that have a passion for those that are outside of the family of God to come in and to bring them in. And that's what his heart was. And that the life of an evangelist is to share that testimony of God's story, telling God's story and his incredible plan to bring people into his family. That's what he wants to do. And so the question is, if Jesus is the perfect model for what an evangelist looks like, then what was his mode of ministry? What was the mode or the way in which he ministered? Because the question, what does it look like? And the answer is, well, one, he didn't use fear. You won't find any of his, you won't find in any of Jesus' sermons him looking sternly and saying, you better get your life right or you're going to burn. It doesn't exist. It's not there. Now, Jesus gave us the reality. He told us of the reality of eternal separation from the Father, but he never used fear tactics to get people into the family, ever. He didn't do it. It's not, wasn't, it wasn't in his heart. Also, he didn't use gimmicks. Meaning, he never came and said, listen, if you'll follow me, all your wildest dreams will come true. You'll have an amazing house. You'll drive a Lamborghini, and you'll have 2.3 kids who are perfectly healthy. There you go. He never said that. He didn't use gimmicks. He wasn't a salesman. That's not how he ministered. Here's what he did. He simply had compassion. That's what he did. 
If you want to know how Jesus reached people, he just has compassion. It's who he is. In Matthew 15, Jesus is preaching and there is a massive crowd that's following him. And they've been following him for three days. And Jesus knows there's some, uh, we've got to take care of these people. Now listen, Jesus has already had to deal with feeding 5,000 people. And he was able to do that with a meager amount of food. This time, he's got 4,000 people that are around him. 4,000 people. And they've been with him for three days. And Jesus is looking at the people and he's got to step in to this. And we'll pick it up in Matthew 15, verse 32. It says, Jesus called his disciples over to him and he said... I have compassion on this crowd because they've, they've been with me now three days and they've had nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. Now, it'd be easy just to pass over this because we're getting ready to find out that instead of uh, five, was it five loaves and two fishes to feed the 5,000, now he's got seven loaves. So he's got a few more loaves and a few fishes to be able to feed this 4,000. And he's standing and he's looking at them and he's going, listen, I'm going to preach another word until we just take care of these people because I have compassion for them. This is who our King of Kings and Lord of Lords is. He's just full of compassion and he cares about people coming into and being a part of his family, but he's not doing it, hear this, to get converts. He's doing it because he loves people and wants them in his family. This is who Jesus is. And assuredly, as I say that here this morning for the heart of what an evangelist is meant to look like, Jesus is here looking at every one of us saying, I care about you, I have compassion for you, and I want you in my family, every one of you. I care about you, I have compassion for you, and I want you in my family. This is what drove Jesus and his ministry. Jesus' declaration of the good news, hear this, never, ever was separated from a heart of compassion, ever. At any point in time in all of his ministry, compassion. Even when he's trying to help people understand the reality of an eternity of separation from him, He's always doing it with a heart of compassion to bring people into his family every time. Even after, listen, even after Jesus is gone, he's always seeking after people who are far from him. In fact, if, even as I say that right now, you can probably think about people that are far from Jesus. You might even be in this room or you might be joining us online and you feel really far from God. And he's got this compassion that's constant, that's never-ending compassion to bring people who are far from him near to him. Even after Jesus is gone, Paul's ministering in the city of Corinth. There's incredible ministry that's happening and people are hearing the gospel for the first time in this city. In Acts chapter 18, he says in verse eight, many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and they were baptized. In verse nine, it says, then the Lord said, to Paul one night in a vision. These are Jesus' words. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you and no one attack you, will attack you or harm you, for I have many, for I have many in this city who are my people. Meaning Jesus is 
gone and ascended into heaven and he comes and he visits Paul in a vision and says, I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to keep sharing because I have many people I'm ready to bring into my family. This is what he's doing. He's looking to bring people into his family. An evangelistic leader, he just picks up, hear this, they just picks up where Jesus left off. And he wants to tell people, they want, an evangelistic leader wants to tell people with their words and with their actions, in the ways that they live and the ways that they speak, that people are loved by God, deeply loved by God, and he wants them to be in his family. That's the role of the evangelist. That's his heart. The heart of an evangelist is constantly beating for the people that are not inside of the room and just saying, how, how can we bring people in to be a part of my family? That's, that's what evangelists get to do, right? So here's the question. What does an evangelistic leader actually look like? Well, this is what he looks like. That's what he looks like. He just looks like that. Just doesn't have to, you don't have to be Billy Graham. In fact, let's just let Billy Graham be Billy Graham. He was great and he was fantastic. And I thank God for his ministry, but you don't have to be that. Thank God that we don't have to try to stand in someone else's shoes, right? You don't, have to be, you don't have to be a street preacher in order to be a certified evangelist. You don't have to go door to door, knocking on doors, asking people if they died tonight, will they go to heaven? Because they're going, well, are, are you gonna kill me? I mean, that's, that's a hard question to ask someone. And what, like, I'm not sure the nature of this question, right? That's not what we're talking about. What it's actually just saying is, hey, what would it be like if we had leaders within the church who were constantly thinking, how can we show the compassion of the king to the world around us? We just had leaders keep asking that question. How can we show more compassion to everyone around us? I thank God for uh, my brother. I, I, I use a picture of him just because I, I know very few people in my life who truly love and have compassion for people that are outside of the church more than my brother. He's just one of those, he's just one of those, he's totally goofy and totally funny and just, but he just loves people. And I've watched him over the years just care for people. And I've watched him reach out to people and help people who are deeply broken in their lives. I've watched him go above and beyond to care for people that probably he shouldn't have. In, in, uh, in normal terms, you shouldn't have done, but he was just willing to like stand in there and just fight for people's lives. And to share the heart and love of Jesus, to give and to give and to bless and to Bless, and I, I feel choked up about it because I just feel so inspired by it. I spend a lot of time, we often will joke because he's like, you pastors, you guys in the church, y'all need to get your act together. I'm going out here to love on these people. And I just love his heart for people that aren't yet a part of the family of God. And I just, I'm thankful for that idea and that kind of leadership that's just willing to think that way. I'm constantly thinking, how do I love on the sheep that are here? And he's constantly going, how do we love on the people that aren't yet a part of the family? And that's what we need as leaders, right? His life is just a testimony to me because it's evangelistic leaders that are gonna actually help propel the church and our church, honestly, to care for our city, to really love our city well, to love the people of this city, to care for people who are far from God. Man, somebody, listen to me. You have somebody you love deeply and dearly right now who is far from God. And you know what? They need, they need somebody in the church with an evangelistic gift that wants to love and show the compassion of Jesus. That's what they need. 
You're probably praying right now, Lord, send an angel. What you're asking is, Lord, would you send an evangelistic leader who has compassion to bring life, to bring hope, to care for the people who have turned from the Lord and to just become such a rich and beautiful part of the church because it's easy for us to want to, especially in these, these weird and, and uncertain times, for the church to kind of grab arms and huddle up and go, let's make sure we're all taken care of here. And the evangelist is going, yeah, we want to care for each other. And we do want to link arms. We keep talking about groups all the time because we want to do life together. But I sure do care about that person that's not yet here and not yet a part of this beautiful family that God has created to bring glory to his name across the earth. We need people that are doing that. We want people that are partnering with that thing that Jesus told Paul and saying, hey, there are more of Jesus' people in this city. Let's go get them. Let's go find them. Let's go love on them. Let's go encourage them. Let's go bless them. And so here's the question. How does an evangelistic leader operate in the world where a lot of people can have a lot of cynicism towards Jesus and towards the church, especially in our culture these days. The church isn't always seen in the prettiest of lights. I love how, and I mentioned this uh, uh, book before, but I love how J.R. Woodward, uh, he quotes this in his book, Creating a Missional Culture. And I'll put this quote up on the screen for you because here's what he says. He says, evangelism works best in the context where it's an answer to a question. In other words, when we live out our calling as the people of God under the reign of God, when we become the, uh, when we become the church where the poor find riches, where the lonely find community, where the sick find healing, and the broken find wholeness, then our words about the person and work of Christ become meaningful. That's it. And he says, thus, the evangelist seeks to equip the church to be a sign, a foretaste, and an instrument of God's coming kingdom. That's the point. That's what the church was meant to have within its life is those that are going, let's make our reaching people the answer to the question of people's lives. Those that are looking for that kind of true and real compassion. In fact, I don't know anyone across the earth, doesn't matter their religious affiliation, that isn't looking for compassion or looking for someone that could see them and be able to bring truth and life to them. That's what our church, that's what even New River is meant to become, right? We're meant to become a sign. I love that, 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 that quote. We're meant to become a sign and a foretaste of what we'll all taste forever in the kingdom of heaven, right? That's the point of the church where we become a place where those who are in need can find plenty, that we could become a church where the lonely are able to find community, or we can become a place where the sick are healed. We wanna pray and ask God for the sick to be changed and transformed where those that are broken get a chance to be restored. This is what is in Jesus' heart, and we all get to partake in some of these ways. People are just so desperate to have lives of purpose, right? People want lives of purpose. They wanna be filled with hope. 
They want to love people and they want to be loved. They want to make a difference in the world around them to have thriving, healthy relationships. All of those, these are fundamental aspects of what it means to live in total maximum human flourishing. That's what everyone wants. But guess what? Those are also the marks of those who are actually walking in the kingdom of God, being made full and whole, transformed by the grace of God. And so evangelistic leaders help equip the church to show how a life lived under the reign of Jesus leads to maximum human flourishing, no matter what the circumstance may be. That's what an evangelistic leader is meant to do. And this just ends up becoming such a vital role in the church, it becomes so important to who we are as a people to just help us see those normal places where we could just go on with life and not be thoughtful about how we can help be a sign and a foretaste of the kingdom of God wherever we go. And that's what the Lord, I believe wants to do. And I believe that's what the Lord wants to raise up. And I think we can all get on board and be really thankful for these leaders that think this way. You might even be thinking, <clears throat> I don't know if this is me. I'm not sure if I'm right. In fact, as we've been going through this series, we got to talk about apostolic leaders a couple of weeks ago. And what's great is you don't have to be all these things. You get to be one of these things. And we're getting to unpack these as we go each and every week. But one of the great things we can do is go, man, I thank God he created this kind of folk to stir me up and to help me think about my life in different ways to think about the importance of what God's doing so we can champion those. So you might be in this room and think, man, this is totally me. I really care about those that are not inside of the quote unquote four walls of the church. Or you might be going, yeah, I, I love the people outside, but I really care about discipleship and making uh, and raising up kids or all those things. We, we, we love and we're thankful for all the unique roles and we'll get to unpack all of them. But I do want to take the opportunity but to, to just champion these gifts that God has granted to us and for us to be able to champion each other in these things. I want to take time to be able to pray and ask God to move this way in our church and raise these leaders up from within. So let's, let's just take a moment to do that. You can put your stuff down. If you guys will let's stand up, we'll just have a couple minutes left and we're done. Uh, as you're standing, I just want to go, uh, if you're going like, I'm not sure if I'm an evangelistic leader. I'm not sure if this is the role of leadership in the church for me. I have a, just a few questions I'm going to throw up on the screen for you. One, uh, do you have a heart for those outside of the church that are far from God? If, if your heart burns for those, um, you might be one of these evangelistic leaders. Um, if you ever feel frustrated uh, that the church can be a little too inward focused, it's entirely possible you're uh, one of these leaders, evangelistic leaders, if you find yourself looking for um, practical opportunities uh, to express the kindness and goodness of God and be able to do that in your neighborhood or in your workplace, um, then this might be you as well. Or if you like to help other people think about their jobs, not as just jobs, but as opportunities to help people know Jesus, it's entirely possible that you're one of these evangelists. You might even come in here like, I didn't think I was an evangelist, but I think I'm an evangelist. And that would be amazing. We want to stand with you and just champion what God's creating in you. But I think, I'm thankful for this role of leadership within the church and we want to champion that. So let's pray and just ask God to begin to do that. Father, would you just begin to raise up 
leaders to be able to step into their role. I thank you, God, that you're creating all kinds of different, you've got apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. You have all these different roles that you're creating in your church. And we just celebrate that and thank you. We just take this moment to honor and bless those that are, have this heart for those that are outside of the church or those that are far from God. And they feel this stirring. Lord, we bless that stirring in them. I do want to just take an opportunity to pray for those of you that maybe feel that this is a way that God has wired you. And if you find yourself in that place, I'd love to pray. Would you just raise your hand and say, I, th I think the Lord's made me with an evangelistic heart. That's good. I love it. I love it. Thank you guys so much. I just bless right now every person that feels that call or that leadership mantle on their lives. I bless them now to receive new level of authority, new level of compassion, and right now new levels of wisdom on how to love this city well, on how to help our church continue to grow in its reach to our city. I bless every one of them to have supernatural favor in every place they go, to see people drawn into your family. And Lord, we just even commit as a church, we won't stop until every person in this city is following you and treasuring you and loving you and walking with you. So Lord, give us leaders and give us a heart for this city and far beyond. I bless these leaders and I thank you for their lives. We thank you, God, that you're building a faithful place that's living out what you have called us into our lives. And for everyone here that's not, uh, doesn't have or doesn't feel that call of that leadership mantle. God, I thank you for the leadership mantle you do. And even as I just look at the unique people that are here in this building, as I think about all of those that are joining us online right now, I, I pray and I bless the unique gift that you've given to them. I look forward to unpacking, God, their gifts in the days ahead. Lord, would you empower us to live lives that have meaning and purpose? where we see your kingdom grow, where we become a sign and a foretaste of your kingdom. In a moment, I'll, we'll have a few of our prayer partners down just ready to pray with you, connect with you about anything that's going on in your life. Maybe it was about something that was mentioned this morning, but we'd love to pray with you about anything going on. Uh, we'll have some coffee in the foyer. We'd love for you to be able to grab that on your way out, be able to connect with people and hug necks and catch up, do life together. It's important to us here. Or catch the people coming in from this for the second service. We love being able to do that. Let me pray this blessing over you as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, who is the King of kings and Lord of lords, we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Blessings on you. We'll see you next week. Prayer partners be down front.